I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, a.k.a. Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 71. This is another interview with Siggy Coco. This episode does stand alone, but it might make more sense with a little bit of background if you listen to episode 71st. I promised a little tiny house update. I'll try and keep this pretty brief. Things are starting to move along. I went away to an earth building AGM and, and just before I left, I pulled up all the floor protection, hoovered everything out, gave the floors a really good sand and then gave them a coat of oil. And oh my goodness. The ash flooring that I've put in has all of these hidden peachy tones, which are just gorgeous. It's really, really something. I can't really explain how wonderful it is. By by taking up the, the floor protection, it's really turned a corner on the building. It is no longer a building site. It is a home. The, the first thing I did when I got back was to pop my sofa in here. And so I have a comfy little space to hang out. And then I did all the finishing details uh, to my bookcase slash recording studio slash desk slash booze cabinet. Uh, it's a multi-purpose space. It's a plant display unit as well. I have put pictures of that on my social medias, Jeffrey the Natural Builder on Instagram and Facebook. Have a look and let me know what you think. I'm pretty pleased with it. Also, a quick reminder that if you've heard episode 70, you will have heard about the competition that Timber Development UK are running for students and recent graduates. Uh, Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for those. This episode actually features a few questions that were submitted by the Building Sustainability patrons. In this episode, we've got a question from Alex and a question from Joanna. In fact, this episode starts off with a question from Alex. So thank you to those for joining in. 
being able to submit your own personal questions to the upcoming guests is a lovely privilege for the patrons. So if you want to help support the podcast and get some bonus audio and some other little treats, then do head to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Speaking of patrons, we have had a few more this month. We have got Tabitha Binding, Stuart Bridget, Joel Endersby. Thank you so much to those three for supporting the podcast. A special note that Tabitha Binding has gone for the £5 level, meaning I will be carving her a beautiful eating spoon. I don't know if you've ever eaten with a wooden spoon, but genuinely, it will change your life. But I would say that, wouldn't I? Uh, So yes, thank you to those three. And thank you to everyone else who supports the podcast. Uh, Your little bit of money every month really adds up to me uh, being able to afford to live um, and dedicate the time that this podcast takes. So thank you. Speaking of spoons, you might have heard on the other episode, I have a spoon carving course coming up on May the 7th. If you are in the Bristol area of the UK, then come on down and learn this wonderful craft. It'll open up a whole world of just very, very beautiful people. There is all the info and a link in the show notes if you want to come along. And the final thing to say is that if you are in London at the beginning of next month, the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of March, then come along to Future Build. I will be down there giving talks on straw insulation and talking about earth floors, as well as trying to snatch some little interviews for the podcast with all of the the wealth of knowledge that are there. Um, That is in London Excel, 1st to the 3rd of March, 2022. Hope to see you there. Okay, that's quite enough for me. Enjoy Siggy Coco. I'll be back at the end. See ya. Yeah, how are you how are you choosing the products and the materials based on which part of the world you're in? Well, I mean, I'm always more or less between DC and New York City. So what's your what's your sort of local palette then? Our local palette always clay um, for mass, mostly straw for insulation, and mostly that is straw bale. Um, mm-hmm because light clay straw is hard to make correctly and you need much more thickness to get the same R value. Yeah. Uh, And it's slower. Um, I'm just starting to explore hempcrete as cost effective. Uh, Right now, straw is by far the cheapest way to get that R value. Mm -hmm. Um, Stone uh, is part of the palette. Trees. Right. So we live in an area where there are forests. So particularly if almost everywhere that I build, there are um, mills nearby Mm -hmm. that will either mill something for you or um, they're harvesting from a local forest that they own. And they may not be sustainably certified, but um, as someone explained to me once, um, I said, oh, are your is your forest sustainably certified? And they said, honey. We've had our forest for 130 years. If we didn't harvest things sustainably, we wouldn't be in business. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so wood is definitely part of the palette. I try to avoid steel, um, partly because of the embodied energy. It's it's almost always structural steel is almost always high recycle content, but mm-hmm. um, it's no longer made in the U.S. for the most part, right? So it's, again, that 6,000 miles. And if we can do it with something that's local, I'll make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, so straw, clay, stone, wood, that's the primary palette. Okay. And then um, do, you, do you design for people not sort of in your, your region? And if so, you know, how do you get to find out what is their, what's their local palette? Not so much. So when someone, I get, I mean, and people email me often and I'm in India or I'm in Portugal or, and the first thing I email back is say, find somebody that's near you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while I would be honored and it would be absolutely wonderful to go and build something in India, right? That would make me so happy. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know you're local. So if you work with someone local, they, they know what your, um, regulations are. Mm -hmm. So they won't stumble on something accidentally, which I very well could. Um, they'll know what your local resources are and where to get them. Right. So, and there's, I'm, it's probably like heresy to say this as a designer, but, um, there's really nothing special about, I design a certain way. And so like, you're going to get this certain thing, like anyone can design that way. Right. So, um, there are beautiful buildings everywhere in the world. Right. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's not the magic. The magic is, um, the process of understanding what's near you. So to me, I would first, the first question I would ask if I was, you know, plot me down somewhere and okay, build something. The first question I would ask is what is my climate? And am I looking for materials that insulate me because the comfort temperature that I want inside is radically different at different times of the year from outside? If, that, if the answer to that question is yes, if you have four seasons and winter is cold and you will ever heat or cool that space, then insulation is what you want. So then I will go find insulation materials. And those tend to be the ones that are lightweight. Um, because what you're really insulating with is air, right? So yeah. little tiny air pockets, right? So pumice is a mineral, but it's insulating, right? So if you live near a lava flow, um, <laughs> that's not a luxury um, we have, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, it, it, it may, it, it's often some kind of agricultural fiber, right? Um, because yeah. agriculture is ubiquitous around the world, um, And then, uh, or if you're somewhere where, if you are always trying to stay cool, always, right? So you're in the middle of a desert, especially if it's arid. Mm -hmm. Um, If your goal always, always, always is cool me down, cool me down, cool me down. um, Then thick, 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 thick mass and shade it, right? So keep it out of the direct sun and put a Mm -hmm. living roof on it so your roof is actively cooling itself and insulate the roof, right? Okay, now I'm looking for mass materials. Those tend to be the heavy ones. So clay, stone, right? Um, uh, yeah, so, so to me, I would approach it that way first and then yeah. look for the materials. So then, okay, I need to 
build a roof over me, that means I need to be able to span from one point to another. Now I need something that is strong enough to go from here to here, right? And you can do that by creating domes if all you have is mass. But if you have trees around you, you or bamboo, right, you can span with some other material, right? So that's how I would approach it is, okay, ask the problem first. Okay, now what do I need to solve that problem? And now go go hunting. Okay. Yeah. Where is the material that solves that problem? Lovely. I think that's a, a fantastic answer. Oh. Uh, Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah. I mean, it's always I'm sort of dubious of anyone that says, uh, you know, this is the way you should build a house, and then you sort of plonk it anywhere. It's. I think that's not it's not understanding climate and uh, and you know, the differences in in needs absolutely yes i agree with you yeah um do you do you favor building with with raw materials or products Mm. raw materials yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i mean for one they're really empowering Mm -hmm. right so um like just use clay plaster as an example um i never buy clay plaster Ever, never. I know there's beautiful products out there, but to mm-hmm. me, if I can teach someone that you can take your soil or you can go to a pottery supplier and buy this 13 pound bag of, you know, powdered clay and you can figure out how to make your own plaster, to me, I've just empowered someone. Yeah. You know, and they have to understand it in this whole other tactile way, um, which is always deeper to me. It's a deeper understanding of the material. And so before yeah. you ever even put it on, you understand it in a way. It's um, not just, I add water to this bag. Yeah. 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 It's sort of the difference between, you know, if you're going to make pancakes and you use a mix and you just add water or whatever versus, mm-hmm. oh, I know there's an egg in there and I know there's oil in there and I know there's flour, right? So yeah. It's, and if yeah. I don't have this, then I can substitute with this and it's still... Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's something I, I kind of struggle with because on the one hand, I, I'm very purist. I want to be like, you know, the most raw materials possible, but then I'm also conscious that if we want natural materials to take over the world, you know, then Mm -hmm. they need to be in, in kind of products that every person can, can sort of slot into, to place easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think absolutely there is a place for clay plaster products for, you know, just to cycle back to that example. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and like, uh, Sukita Rae she has that, um, earthen floor product, right? Yeah. Brilliant. Right. Um, but if I know how to do it another way, that's how I'm going to teach my clients. But yes, no, I'm grateful that those products exist. And, you know, like panelized straw bale, oh, please take over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. But yeah. if you ask what my preference is, it's always going to be, oh, let's dig a hole. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you, so this is sort of cycling back a little bit to the design. Um how how do you sort of how do conventional architects uh, view what you're you're up to? Do you ever get I any sort of feedback don't on that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. 
I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I ultimately, I don't care. Um, if I yeah. had cared, I would have edited how, how I approach school. Right. But, um, I think there's more and more architects are embracing, certainly they're embracing green building, right. Mm-hmm. In air quotes, but, um, I think more and more are embracing natural products, at least to some degree, and natural building to a smaller degree. And yeah. where I'm differentiating is, for example, putting clay plaster on a conventional wall versus, oh, the wall is actually different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, the, what I notice the most is the questions people ask. There is more uniform knowledge when you say a straw bale house almost everyone knows what you're talking about now sure yes right if you uh it's not as much with cob so i usually use the word adobe instead of cob because adobe has a familiarity at least in the u.s right so um even if i'm talking about cob i call it sculptural adobe if it's someone that i know doesn't know what i'm talking about Uh um so that they know i mean a wall made out of clay um, otherwise they think corn cobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's going to be confusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there, that's always the beginning, right? When, when the knowledge base is more ubiquitous. So that's the first step to adopting something is to understand yeah. it and be at least curious about it. Um, but I wouldn't say there's, you know, a huge slew of architects out there looking to design with straw bales or clay. Yet, hopefully. Yet, yeah. But expanding, but slow, slow, slow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's probably a a pretty good representation of what's being taught and how it's being taught. Quite possibly. And that hopefully will be be changing considerably in the the upcoming years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> Here's a good one. Uh, and this is probably something like a, you know, what's who's your favorite child type question. But do you prefer <laughs> designing or building? <gasps> oh, so, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely it's a who's your favorite child question. Right. Um, but so when I left architecture school, I, you know, I thought, okay, well, now you get a job, you know, because you have to do an internship with architecture. So I thought, okay, well, let me find a job with an architect. And so Mm -hmm. I found a job. um, And when I was um, talking to her, she's, I said, well, what would, what would I do? Like, what would my job be? You know? And she said, well, you know, basically you, you tell the builder how to do their job. And I was like, I don't know how to do their job. So I declined the offer and I went and did construction, like just on conventional homes um, Mm -hmm. for two years. And um, I wanted to understand what that job is like. And for real, I'm going to answer your question. Um, And what what I learned from that is two things about building and one thing about myself. So um, I, I love being hands-on even when it's something that conventional. Um, but what I learned was there's more than one way to do something. 
And often there's easy, multiple easy ways to do something and multiple hard ways to do something. And so just that frees you up that there doesn't have to be an architectural detail. There can mm. be, right? So, um, and, and you can have a conversation with a builder about how would you do this, right? And then the second thing it taught me is how to have respectful conversations with builders, right? Which I think is, at least here, that is a big problem. Right? Uh-huh. So it is really, really challenging for me to get a, a new builder that I haven't worked with before to call me the first time. Right. Right. Because they, and, and by the time I'm comfortable with them, every single one at some point tells me their horror story that they had with an architect being an ass. Can I say ass? Yeah, of course. Good. Cause too late. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, so, so that's what I learned about construction that I then take forward. And the thing I learned about myself was I love hands-on, but I missed the creative. Right. Right. And when I'm just, you know, create, when you're designing something, it seems like it's all like tracing paper and colored pens, but this mostly computer time, right? I'm a computer person. Mm-hmm. That is the beginning is all paper and trace and cheat and happy, right? Um, so sort of the, the romantic architecture moments. Um, but really what most of it is, is sitting there moving lines on a computer screen, right? Yeah. Um, and when I'm doing that too much, I miss the hands-on. So for me personally, I need a job where I get to do both, you know, and then I fell into loving teaching. So yeah. That's then my third child that I love equally. <laughs> I, I'm very much the same, actually. The, the teaching really surprised me. I just, I fell in, I was kind of, you know, pushed forward and did it and suddenly went, I love this. Mm. Yeah, this is, you know, that, that satisfaction of, of certainly teaching physical skills when someone, you know, plastering, they pick up a trowel and they, they push the mud on the floor first time and, you know, and then you come back a little while later and they're, you know, they're smoothing and they're, yeah, it's, it's that, that, that big, big grin on their face is, is yeah. quite addictive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and my favorite moments are when you hear one student explaining something to another student. So I'm like, ah, oh, my work is done here. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if you understand it enough to explain it, yeah. you're there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So natural building uh, has got a really good gender balance. Um, mm. why, why do you think that is? I think because the shoulds are gone. So I think societally, we still have women should, men should. Mm. Or this is a particular job. The expectation is it should be a man, it should be a woman. And those barriers are you know, coming down slowly. Um, and, and I feel like usually change is slow at first and then all of a sudden it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with natural building, there's no should. If there's no expectation of gender. And so therefore, if you have, particularly for women, if a woman has a desire to learn some kind of a building trade, 
it's almost the natural thing to go to, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, because there's there there aren't the same barriers of walking onto a job site where it's all men and you're the only woman and you have to accept a certain amount or at least have a strategy for a certain amount of um, ridicule and yeah. sexual comments and whatever, right? So. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I guess what you're sort of saying is if we got to the, or when we get to the point of conventional construction being gender balanced, then the sort of barriers are then taken away. Well, I, to, to me, it's, I don't, and, and honestly, I mean, this is opinion, right? Obviously mm-hmm. I, I, I can't speak facts on this, but um, I, I have a, I have a very skewed viewpoint of it too because because I'm a woman teaching I get a lot of women who come to my workshops because they want to be taught by a woman right and I think most women who teach will tell you that um and so I have a you know I I don't see the normal I see what comes into my sphere and I think for most women there is the it's like they can expect a safe space when they know there is a woman in charge of their educational experience. Not Mm. because women do that better than men, but because every woman on the planet has had an experience where a man didn't do that for them. And so they don't know that they will be held in a respectful manner. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And my experience with men in natural building is that is absolutely there, right? Um, but if you don't know, you don't know. So I have I have a slightly skewed experience with women in natural building that has to do with me being a woman. Yeah. Um, but if I look at it a little larger and I see, yeah, to me it's there's it's the barriers of who can do it are erased. And the barriers of who should do it are erased, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't have rules for gender in natural building, right? Um, many cultures do, actually. So in, uh, in African cultures and South American and Central American cultures, like women are the plasterers, mm. you know? Um, often women are the builders, right? So the women are in charge of the clay, right? Um, not universally, but often, Um and so I, I had an experience actually teaching some uh, South, uh, Central American men how to clay plaster. And they're like, this is women's work. <laughs> right. Like, Not today. <laughs> <laughs> we are gender equality. Right, exactly. So, so, but, you know, those exceptions aside in sort of, you know, at least in the U.S., I can speak to that. I think, I think that's what draws women is they can't, they know they can do it mm-hmm. um right the tools are simple the the materials i mean they're heavy but there's ways to do it that it, you don't have to be super buff you know um mm-hmm. uh, so there's not those same physical barriers and and you're not stepping into a an environment that is exclusively male and now you have to sort of how do you present into that environment yeah you know so that's my guess but it's you know Obviously, hefty opinion, not fact. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a little question from a from another patron, which was um, a question about 
are there any books or sort of fiction or non-fiction for children to get them into uh, vernacular building or, or sort of circular economy type things? What a great question, and I don't know the answer. Because I feel like The Three Little Pigs is sort of the anti. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're my mom and you give me <laughs> the alternate story of The Three Little Pigs for Christmas. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I wish I knew the answer to that. I can't think of any off top off the top of my head. Okay. Well, yeah. if, if something oh, comes to you, then... Oh, I wish I could then... answer that. If something comes, can I email it to you? Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and you know, if anyone listening uh, also has has Let a suggestion, then... Uh... Books for kids. Okay. I'll write it down. I'll, I'll give that a little think. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right. And I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at The Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Um, So let's talk myths. I know mm. it's one of your your passions is mm. uh, dispelling mm. the myths. Right, what mm. what what do you come up against in terms of myths or preconceived ideas? I mean, there's the the real myths and there's the myths that people say to be funny, right? So, right. You know, there's always the the wolf's going to blow it down. Aren't you afraid? You know, mm-hmm. which to me is clearly funny because a wolves don't go around trying to blow down homes, right? That's not. <laughs> That's not a big problem anywhere. Yeah. Um, but also, like, who, who could blow that hard, you know? So, yeah. like, it's just, yeah. So, to me, that's always somebody trying to engage and being awkward about it, right? So, I yeah. never take that one as serious. But um, the true myths, I mean, there's sort of the myths that come up and the myths I'm passionate about. So, um, because to me, there's the myths about because natural building is so easy to learn and therefore there are so many people who are empowered to build themselves but there isn't a set of rules to help people sort out which material is appropriate and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of um, partial information and sometimes misinformation online so if you just Mm -hmm. go searching right and we tend to stop when we got the answer we really wanted not when we have you know, that's just how humans work, I think. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You check the all the weather forecasts until you find the one that says it's going to be sunny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, I think there there are mistakes that owner builders make and those I'm passionate to correct because I would love if all owner builders created perfect examples of natural buildings, right? Uh Um, And then there's the questions that come up. So to me, they're almost two separate questions. Um, The things that come up the most in terms of straw are you're going to have mice. Like that's a given, which, okay, if you have a barn full of straw, sure, you're going to have mice because they have little cavities to run around in and a little nest that they can make inside and a food source, right? But if you pack them tight in a wall and you plaster them, 
it's a solid wall. There's no cavity in there. They have to make a cavity. So they have to first dig out all of the plaster and then dig out the straw. And by that time, there's a pile on your floor. So you know they're there and you set a little trap and they're gone, right? So before there's ever an issue, you would solve the problem. So that that doesn't come up. Um, mm-hmm. The only homes I've had mice in, they're in, they're in normal stud walls, you know, in interstitial yes. spaces, not... They're not in the straw bale walls. So um, the other myth is um, fire, obviously. And that one has been like that. There's just testing data. So if you just Google fire test straw yeah. bale, you will find the answer to that. And the Fantastic reason- videos of, of you know, ridiculously scorched straw bale walls, but, you know, still in, in one, one piece and have just charred on the surface. Right, exactly, exactly. Or there's a there's a, a straw bale house that went through a forest fire, and the only thing still standing are the straw bale walls and the yes. chimney. Right, so, um, so that one's fairly easy to debunk with actual data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fire test, right? It exceeds a stud wall, which is our conventional here. It exceeds by far. It exceeds a stud wall in terms of fire resistance. Um, uh, what are the other ones? Bugs that you're going to have bugs. So people, you know, as soon as you're saying, I'm going to take materials from nature, the thinking is right. So, so what do we do when we're confronted with something new? We take our experience with that thing and we now just apply it carte blanche. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so if your only experience with straw is the three little pigs story, that's why that comes up, right? Because that is the, and so you're trying, you're actually trying to connect. I think when people have those myths, they're trying to connect and they're trying to understand. Um, and it doesn't always come out clean, you know, but. Uh-huh. If, that's a very you, nice way of looking at it. No, but if you hear it that way, then you can connect back, right? Yes. So, um, yeah. So if, if I'm, you know, if I bring a branch in from outside, there's probably a spider on it, right? Or some beetles or who knows what, right? Mm-hmm. So if then people think, okay, well, if I'm bringing those materials in my home, that's what I'm bringing in with. But no, <laughs> you're, you're finishing a home. You just have chosen a different palette of materials. It's still a finished home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think, you know, so photographs, of beautiful natural buildings that look clean, right? That look, mm-hmm. and I mean clean architecturally, right? They look, um, uh, they have a high level of finish on them, yeah. right? Uh, that dispels that myth. Oh, oh, it does. It looks like a house. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. right? It's just you've used these other materials. There's not going to be worms in your clay wall, right? <laughs> they need water your wall will not have water, right? So eventually they will die, right? Um, and then mold is another one and bio biodegradation is another one. So mm, yes, what, won't it rot? Right, exactly. So then explaining, okay, in order for things to rot, they need water, right? And wood is also biodegradable and we build with wood all the time and we don't ask that question. Why? Because we've been building with wood for thousands of years and we have this set of details of, how do you keep that wood dry, right? And it's the same. So let's now apply that to this fuzzy brick and keep it dry. And as long as you keep it dry, it will last forever, right? Yeah. Um, so, so those are also just education, right? There's an 
opportunity to educate about how, okay, well, what does it mean to biodegrade, right? Mm -hmm. How does that process work? And then the same with mold, right? As long as you keep it dry, there is no mold. Mold needs moisture. Um, So if you've solved one problem, you've solved the other problem. Uh And then explaining how, you know, lime and clay have this sort of um, relationship with humidity that actually help reduce condensation overall and therefore reduce liquid water and therefore reduce moisture and mold and all of that. So um, those, when someone asks questions like that, it's about understanding the material so that they can be comfortable. um, Sometimes comfortable to say yes to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But most of the time, just be comfortable that that's a paradigm that's, normal you know or whatever (laughs) um right that it's not like a hippie weirdo if it's straw bale right and not that hippies are weird but i'm just yeah i'm in that person's head um Mm -hmm. so those are different kinds of questions to me and those are all explainable by explaining physics or testing data or whatever and then the myths about how owner builders use materials that's where, oh my gosh, oh, if I could change one thing, I would like to change um, the understanding of mass versus insulation. Please, yes. <laughs> please, can we just understand that? <sighs> like they're physically phys- different, opposite ends of physics. And yeah. it's not someone making something up empirically. It is scientifically provable the way thermodynamics works yeah Um, that insulation blocks the flow of heat transfer and in order to be a thermal mass it must also be a conductor of heat transfer um so it needs to be a conductor and a storer of heat transfer so they're they're literally different things they both have a place um and in everywhere in the world there is a way to build with mass but it gets so thick um that it's not really feasible, right? So I did this, I did a calculation when I was in school at UT, uh, University of Texas. So that was in Austin. So it's, you know, fairly mild climate. And I did a calculation of what wall thickness you would need if you just built with mass in order to, if you built with mass past the solar, what wall thickness would you need in order to stay comfortable without heat or Mm -hmm. cooling? And it was 21 inches of mass. And that's in a moderate, very moderate climate. Like you don't need a winter coat in Austin, Texas. Uh-huh, right. Right? So 52.5 centimeters. Uh-huh. Which is um, you know, the, the sort of classic uh, southwest cob buildings are probably that and a little bit wider uh, yeah. in, in the UK. Um, so, so if you never need a winter coat, like there's, there's homes in Austin that don't have heat. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're just chilly. They're not freezing. Your pipes aren't freezing. Right. You're just you need a sweater a couple days. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) that sounds nice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Until it's summer. Yes. (laughs) Um, But now transfer that into a four season climate. Okay, I'm not going to build a four foot thick cob wall like that. That's what's my foundation now? Right. Like there's a point where it's not reasonable and I can just build with insulation, do less work, get a higher performing building, 
use less overall materials, right? Mm-hmm. So my my overall embodied energy, if I'm including my energy in that, is less, right? So so this is again like my little logical brain goes to town. Um, so if I could correct one thing, it's that insulation versus mass. Um, every building should have some mass, but yeah. most buildings should also have insulation. And if you're not sure, the safe bet is insulate and put mass inside. I think there's there's definitely a point of confusion. And I saw a, a conversation fairly recently where you know, the, the result is the same. You know, they're, they're heating a mass building and they stay warm and it's cold outside. And so they say, well, it's insulating me. But it's, you know, just because the result is, is the same doesn't mean the, you know, the way you get there is the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I, always, I always worry when someone gives an empirical example and says, okay, therefore it will work no matter what. Um, because if you delve deeper into those examples, sometimes you find out that either it's not actually performing that way or there's something quite specific about that design that allows it to perform that way. And it doesn't just mean the material is okay. It means the whole the material in relation to that particular design solution is okay. You yeah. know what I mean? And you can't just take one and now apply it in a different way and get the same result, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like I, I know on the Talking Natural Homes group on Facebook, there was somebody who posted some a project that they didn't know anything about, but it was uh, some supposedly mass building in Sweden or Norway or somewhere and had no heating system. Mm-hmm. And then people were like asking specific questions about it, and they said, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, if you don't know, you can't use it as an example, right? So yeah. um, because you don't actually understand why it works that way, you, that's, the, that's the actual question. Why did it work that way? Not it worked, and therefore mm-hmm. it will always work. You know what I mean? So, um, And I think that's what happens with owner builders often is, oh, this worked, so I can make it work. Well, understand why. And if you're not sure, insulate. <laughs> very very uh solid advice i, I think it's um it's difficult i see a lot with uh, with talking natural homes it's yeah i think it's a wonderful resource yeah. and i'm not in knocking it in the slightest but there is a thing where people will ask a question and then there'll be replies which are definite and you know you need to do this based mm-hmm. on you know, maybe someone that's done it one time before, or maybe 10 mm-hmm. times, maybe 100 times. But uh, I mean, the answer is always it depends, isn't it? It, mm-hmm. it? You know, there is no one solution, as you as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I find it, it, it can be quite frustrating. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you do it, because you're always answering questions. And I mean, for one, I don't know how you have the time in the day. You see, you mm, seem to well, be I haven't been on so there in a month, so <laughs> <laughs> are you having dry January or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean, first of all, I I only go on there when I have the time, and I set a specific amount of time that I will dedicate, right. and. Um, I only answer questions that I know I know the answer to. So I don't just weigh in on everything. I just, mm-hmm. if, if, if I feel like I can help someone or if I see that there's a thread that's going in multiple directions, um, you know, then I'll weigh in. But 
um, you know, so I think if everybody just say what you know and don't say what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And understand that it's complex. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 What are the other big myths? Oh, misunderstanding of passive solar also. Okay. Um, you know, so, so that I, I see a lot of people say, oh, well, passive solar means I only need insulation on my north wall. I don't know where that comes from, but it is not passive solar. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I would love if passive solar design was part of physics in high school. Like, can we make that happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly should be required by all architects. But if everyone had an understanding of that, I think it, I mean, it changes how you garden. It changes how you think about your space even. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you accept that west facing sunset view picture window in your home, you know, <laughs> that then creates overheating all all summer long, you know, so um, yeah, a misunderstanding of, of passive solar is probably the other one. That, okay. Yeah. I, I think one of the, the questions that I have that I get a lot about earth floors is longevity. And that's mm. definitely dealing with a, a preconceived idea um, mm. of what an earth floor is. Mm -hmm. um, and I had an inquiry just recently from someone who is building a, they called it, I think, a no waste uh, net carbon, carbon zero development uh, somewhere in the UK. And they, they said, they were phoning me up because they wanted or it's been specified that they had a limecrete floor and they were worried that that was too soft and that they wanted an earth floor because they thought it might be harder. And I had to you know, correct them on that. But then they were saying their reasoning was that they wanted people to be able to walk around in stilettos. And, and I thought that's a very strange mentality that you're, you're setting this change in, uh, you, you want to be, no waste and and net zero, but you're you're not changing the expectations on the materials. You're, you're expecting a new material to mm. act like the old one, even though it's completely different. I mean, I I would say just at, even to step it back one step. I think as soon as you introduce something unusual, there is an expectation that not only will it perform as well, that it will outperform. Right. Um, yeah. So make it better than what, what is normal or we can't go there, right? Um, uh, there's, a, there's a guy who does this talk about natural building um, who has a quote where he says, if we try to get wood, structural wood, into the um, building codes today, it would be almost impossible because there's so many different species and how you cut the wood matters and da, 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 right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, this expectation that something new has to outperform, right? Which is what you, what you experienced. Mm -hmm. um, so with adobe, with earthen floor specifically, I have started using adobe floor as the term. And the reason is, what I noticed when I said earthen floor is what people hear is dirt floor. Mm -hmm. They don't hear earth, they hear dirt. 
um, and they think what you're asking of them is that they live in a hovel and they're out. Yeah. But if you say Adobe, they hear architectural material and then they say, oh, what is that? Right. And yeah, it's a different they, it sends them in a different direction, at least here in the U.S. Um, and maybe you don't run into that particular one. And then when I'm sort of trying to get someone to understand um, the equivalent with conventional construction, I say it's similar to a hard wooden floor. Right. Yeah. Which is something that everyone has experienced. And so if they would have the same stiletto expectation of a wooden floor, you know, then they should be looking at something much, much harder. Mm-hmm. Right. So does that, did that, was that your question? Yeah. Did that, yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily, I actually posed the question. I just sort of went on a bit of a ramble. Oh, uh, but. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think part, part of, you know, when you're, when you're doing something that's um, not conventional, right. Uh, that is not in most people's experience. Um, I see part of my job as talking their language so that they can hear it mm-hmm. in a way that leads it, leads them to questions as opposed to predispositions. Because if they're asking questions, I have an opportunity to educate them. Mm-hmm. But if they have a predisposition, they stop asking questions and they write it off. Right. Um, and so finding terms to use and finding equivalencies in sort of the ubiquitous experience of life for most people Uh um, can help bridge that gap. Yeah, there's a a chap here uh, called Craig White who builds straw, modular straw bell homes. And he's described uh, the straw as renewable materials, building Mm -hmm. with renewable materials, because it's sort of in that renewable energy mindset People can kind of hook into that and understand it. Yeah, yeah. So that it's a way of speaking about it differently, so that you 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 draw questions as opposed mm-hmm. to closing anyone off. Yeah. Crikey, there's a lot of soft skills I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have you're quite skilled. <laughs> well, I mean, I think life generally is you know you learn more and more and more and more every single day, and if you're not, you're bored. So. Um, yeah 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 (laughs) at the point where you have all the answers you know you can go live on the mountain by yourself (laughs) that's it you've you've done it the feeling that that you get in a natural home um Mm -hmm. it's often talked about the feeling uh you know Mm -hmm. what do you think is actually causing that what's the thing we're we're kind of reacting to oh gosh um i mean i think there's sort of there's sort of the woo-woo answer to that. And I think there's a scientific answer to that. Um, Mm. So first of all, natural homes tend to be the finishes you see were touched by a hand, right? It's not a machine that made drywall and a machine that made paint. And if the paint isn't completely uniform, it's because someone patchily made it not uniform, right? Um, they're not these sort of flat, plasticky, machined, perfect planer. It's handmade. And even if it's an exceptionally skilled hand, 
right? So if you go to Japan, the walls look, they're flatter than drywall. I mean, they are Mm -hmm. flat, but you can still tell that they were made by hands, right? And there's something about that that feels tactile and um, draws you in, right? It's welcoming. It's, I'm not finding the right word for it. Um, it seems like it's, it's, you know, you're connecting with another human almost. Yes. It's... Right. Yes. Right. It's connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, and, and I don't think you have to know that when you walk in, you mm-hmm. feel it when you walk in. And the example to me, um, is kids. If you watch at, like, this is a great example. Um, my sister for a while had a, had a clothing store and we built the changing room was this cob spiral. And she said to me once that when a parent would come into the store with a child, the child would walk in kind of like, I have to go shopping with mom. And then they would look up and they would see the wall and they would sprint to the back of the store and hug the wall. And just hang out at that wall for the whole rest of the time until they had to go. And it's not like she had playthings over there for the kids, right? It was just the wall. Mm -hmm. So there's something about hand-built materials from nature that that speak to a really deep, unconscious part of being human. I think. I mean, this is obviously opinion, right? So I'm not <laughs> stating facts, right? I'm saying opinion based on observations. Um, but to me, kids are the unfiltered, right? And and so that to me is an in, intuitive reaction, feeling that everyone has, but adults can sometimes shut down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has to do partly with the materials and partly with the fact that it was made by hand. Um, But I think there's this whole other part of clay in particular and lime to a degree as well about its sort of uh, breathability and, um, you know, that sort of electric charge. And, you know, I think from like if you measured the ions in the space, there'd be more positive ions in the actual air, you know. So, you know, there's, there's I think, something physical going on at the uh-huh. same time as that sort of um, tactile, intuitive, um, emotional response that you may not even be aware of, but you feel. Mm-hmm. When, when I walk a group of people into a, a you know, straw bale home for the first time at, you know, straw bale and clay plasters and maybe an adobe floor and cob wall, you can hear everyone sigh, right? So they walk in and they just go, <sighs> right? Like there's a release. There's, it's quiet. It's not, to- there's no toxins, right? It's um, healthy air. It's balanced daylight. It's, um, finishes that are constantly creating healthier air in the space. So they're actually interacting with what you're breathing in the space 
and they're hand built. So the house feels like you're stepping into a sculpture, even when it's, you know, sort of modernish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of those things play into what that feels like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think there's also a piece that feels like it's, I could do that. You know? Yeah. So and I don't know that everyone feels that, but I, I think for people who do, when they walk into that and say, oh my gosh, I could do that. That's empowering. Right. And so all of those are very positive reactions, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a little woo woo, but I, I see it over and over and over and over and over. Yes. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the feeling is a thing. It's, it's, you know, commonly talked about, but mm-hmm. none of us kind of can really, you know, put mm-hmm. a, a direct thing on it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of go from woo woo to, to, you know, just purely practical, like is just having clay on the walls softer and therefore the sound is different. Uh, is it the mm. insulation that uh, is making you know less outside sounds, like you can't hear the traffic or something? Um, you know, on some days I'm very much down that practical route, and on other times I'm, you know, there is something that's connecting you to to people of of ancient times and and kind of you know the other mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah, and I think it's all of it. I think it's. I think I. I think you wouldn't necessarily want to separate the pieces out, right? Mm-hmm. So clay is also the, the oldest building material, right? We leave caves, we dig a hole, we add water, we build a home, right? So um, I think from that sort of inherited reality or whatever, you know, that's a little woo too, but um, if someone hands any person a ball of clay what do they do squidge it and they play and immediately right Mm -hmm. you you immediately start to do something with it you know and some people make a cube and wool and a little whatever a bowl or whatever right so where where did that come from how do you know to just play with it right and so now you're in a space where the walls have at least that as a finish and this is our oldest building material Right. So I think there's even that connection somewhere in there, you know, that takes us back to, you know, this very primal human being. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And, and to me, like, I almost don't want to separate the pieces, you know, because um, I think there are scientific explanations to pieces of it. And I think there are just inexplicable reactions as human beings to clay particularly mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i don't know oh what i know i think that's wonderful um i just wondered is there anything you'd like to to finish on any um sort of wrapping up or or words of wisdom you'd like to impart oh my goodness that's a lot of pressure uh, isn't it that is a lot <laughs> of pressure yeah um be a scientist explore if you're not sure about something, figure out what test would I need to do to figure it out, right? So, okay, I have clay. I don't know how to make a plaster out of it. Okay, make a bunch of different plasters. See which one works, 
you know, like be a, just be a scientist. That would be my. Yes, I guess yeah. that's that's not being afraid of failure because because you're you're learning so fast from for anything that doesn't work as a plaster. It's well, know, that's another one eliminated. Start with something that it's OK to fail on. Mm. Right. So um, this is like one of my mantras is um, don't start like if you're going to learn Tadillac, don't start with your bathroom. Yes, that's a really <laughs> good bit of advice. If, if you want to build with Cobb, make a make a mailbox first, make a chicken coop, make a shed, make a outhouse, make an oven, right? Do something small that if it failed, you wouldn't be devastated, right? If you want to learn clay plaster, go make a panel and clay plaster on a panel and keep scraping it off or make it thicker and thicker every time you want to practice um, or go to a barn or a basement or, you know, whatever. Right. So a closet, start in a closet where it's okay if it's hideous. Right. Um, don't start with your, you know, the space you need to be the most beautiful because mm-hmm. everything is a learning curve. Give yourself the space to have that learning curve. Right. Is that good enough? <laughs> Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for Memorial Day get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Siggy. I can't believe just what a joy those two hours were. I really, really appreciate Siggy spending the time and having just such a wonderful conversation. The Three Little Pigs part of that conversation has really changed something in me, actually. Um, I always found people's Three Little Pigs, uh, Big Bad Wolf comments when we talked about straw insulation to be quite hostile. And actually hearing Siggy's take on it, that it's them wanting to connect but not knowing how, has really changed how I think about those comments now. And uh, and really, I'm looking forward to the next one so I can invite them in for a, a bigger and better conversation. Because of this conversation, I've actually searched out uh, someone to talk to for the podcast, all about these kind of communication issues around sustainability. So look out for that one in the coming weeks. Um, I did get a little update from Siggy on the books for children. This is what her email said. I know there are books that encourage kids to play outside even building forts, but none that I know of that are specific to natural building. But there are books like 
Build Your Own Earth Oven by Kiko Denza, or you can make The Best Hot Tub Ever by Becky B. These are how-to books for particular cob projects that are certainly kid-friendly, so could be good family activity books. Neither is written specifically for kids, but are both easily digestible. So that's a great suggestion of two books. I would also say that Kiko Denza is a friend of the podcast. He was on way back around the episode nine, maybe eight. So long time ago. Definitely check that out and check out his book because building an earth oven is just a joy to do, especially with kids. And at the end of it, you get pizza. What's not so like? Okay, that is it from me. As always, there are links to the things that we have discussed in the show notes. If this is your first time here, do subscribe, do check out the other episodes, because if you like this, you're going to definitely like some of the other stuff that we've got for you. And if this is not your first time and you really feel like you're getting something from Building Sustainability, if you are able to support, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. Your support would be hugely welcomed and you get some of those sweet, sweet benefits Uh, like being able to submit questions for future guests and some bonus episodes and general bits and bobs. Okay, until next time, bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.